0: This is Peter.
1: And this is Tom.
0: And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcast. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to the show. All right, Tom, first week of summer. We got this. Sure.
1: (laughs) If you say so. It's been a little... Probably more tiring during the summer than during the school year. I know people always say, oh, teachers have off during the summer. And I guess technically we don't have to go into the building. You know, I still want to see see myself there about three, four days a week. But – Well, you coach. So you're there all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of it. I'm
0: trying to – like my new thing this year is I'm trying to not open my school email in the summer. Yeah. Or at least limit the amount of times I open my school email. Like I decided I'm going to do that like once a week. Once a week. That's the goal.
1: I think that's part of your professional obligation, right? You have to still- Right. I mean, I feel like I should
0: do it once a week, right? I mean- once well, sometimes you have
1: students and you know, if you have like the summer bridge program, like a lot of- uh, for uh, APs, a lot of schools have that. True, true. So that starts in uh, July for a lot of schools, so- I
0: yeah. have a lot of students actually reaching out to me and asking me whether there was any summer work for my class, and I'm like, no. Um,
1: it's good if you uh, know that before the school year ends, but-
0: yeah. Plus, i like enjoy your summer. That's your that's your homework. For summer. Enjoy your summer. It is what would be is. nice.
1: That'd, that'd be fun.
0: Right. Enjoy so, the summer. No, I'm enjoying. enjoying I'm enjoying this. it. Yes. <laughs> enjoying I'm enjoying this. it. Yes. All right. So, uh, we are today. Well, actually, that's
1: your job. What are we doing today, Tom? Well, based on. Some, a recent Supreme Court case, we decided to uh, look at basically not just any Supreme Court case, because there's so many of them, but like the, the most important Supreme Court cases that really like teens and their parents should really know. Ones that might deal with your rights when it comes to basically school. Um, yes. What, what your rights are when it comes to school, because there's a lot of cases that set that precedent, that set what the rules are. A lot of times students might think, oh, you don't have the right to do that, when actually know the school does, or they might not even know that their rights are being violated in some way that something happened to me is actually unconstitutional. So these are just sort of kind of like a how-to guide or what-you-should-know guide to really help students make them aware of these cases, which really set the policy for most schools and really any public school in the United States.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you you mentioned this, this idea that parents should also be aware of these things, because a lot of times... First of all, we're talking about Supreme Court cases, so we're talking about the federal government stepping in.
1: Yeah, this is, just trumps everything. That's it. There's no exactly. There's the no way around it unless line. it gets overturned, which is probably not going to happen. That's it. It's done. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been decided that
0: pertain yeah pertain to teens um, and, and schools uh, in particular. So a lot of times, as parents, you know, myself and and you're a parent as well, Tom. Like sometimes we're like, oh, you can't do that to my kid, but then like sometimes. They can. (laughs) I guess that's the whole premise of today's show is that, yeah, there's some things we should probably know about the rights that students or teens have overall um, in a school system. And we're going to be talking a lot about clearly the Bill of Rights, Um, the first, not really 10, but the first few of the Bill of Rights. And well, the the 10th 10th Amendment. you
1: have the 14th Amendment. And the 14th in there a lot, is going to yeah.
0: really get in there a lot. So, just a quick recap uh, the First Amendment is your overall freedom of speech, press, religion, assembly, uh, right to petition the government. It's the most famous amendment. Um, so, we are definitely going to be discussing the First Amendment today. Second is the right to bear arms, not really applicable. Uh, third is the protection against um, housing soldiers, that's not applicable. Fourth, we are going to be talking about today, which is the protection against unreasonable search and seizure. That's a big one, and that's a big one. Um, and fifth is protection against trial that indictment, double jeopardy, self-incrimination, property seizure. A uh, little bit, mostly first and fourth. Um, speedy trial. That's your sixth right to be confronted by witnesses, right to call witnesses. That's not really going to pertain to us today. Um, seventh trial by jury. Not really. Uh, 8th actually does come up in some of the cases and that deals with protection against excessive bail, excessive fines and cruel and unusual punishment. That's the one that kind of comes up today. Um, ninth and 10th, irrelevant. And the 14th amendment, um, I feel like that one comes up a lot, right, Tom? I mean, 14th and, and the 1st you We're talking
1: about rights, um, in any case, not just civil rights, but just rights. 14th amendment is going to be a major player. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Essentially it guarantees all citizens equal protection of the laws, Right. Um, That's one of the main components of the 14th Amendment. Um, It also authorizes the federal government to punish states that violate the citizens' That's what basically It gives the
1: federal government power to impose these things on the states, more or less. Yep. If they they feel that's unconstitutional.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I've never really had anything crazy happen in my school career. No, but
1: when you hear some of these cases, some of them sound very simple. Some of them are like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Some yep. of the other ones sound something sound
2: almost
1: yeah well that's one <laughs> of them but um, and some some other ones though like they're like they sound almost small and just balloons you know because yeah, I mean, they, if like, someone if someone refuses to accept the punishment which I'm not saying you should never you know you should do yeah. or should not do but then that kind of then gets the ball running in this debate and then the Supreme Court really has to decide. They they interpret the laws, right? That's what the judicial branch is doing. They're interpreting the laws, um, and how, how it should be. They, what, what does the Constitution mean here? And they kind of and they will set that decision.
0: Plus, we're talking about the Supreme Court here. Like, we're not talking like, oh, little judge or principal is going to deal with an issue. No, the Supreme Court doesn't like. Yeah, that's
1: what's crazy too. Is something, like think about yeah. the Supreme Court is hearing cases. These are all cases that were heard in front of the Supreme Court. And the one we're going to talk about first is about Snapchat. Yeah, go ahead. You, know, you want it, to get that one? The yeah, Supreme Court. Well, yeah, well, this is basically the one that basically sparked our – the idea to maybe do this particular podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And it concerns a uh, individual named Brandy Levy. She was a Pennsylvania high school student. And um, she basically – she didn't make the varsity Chilling squad. She was all upset about that. So she sent out a well, – let's call it a very colorful Snapchat message to about 250 people. And she sent it on a Saturday. So school wasn't in session. She sent out at a convenience store. That was popular with teenagers in her neighborhood and include an image of her and a friend with their middle fingers raised, um, along with a bunch of um, choice words, using swear words about four times, talking about school, softball and cheer and everything else. Basically, I think the softball coach and a cheer coach might have been the same person, something like that. But she was upset. She was on JV. She didn't make varsity. That's what she was upset about. So what basically happens is they were sent the snapchat messages were sent uh, were uh, meant to vanish right that's what snapchat does yep. i'm not really a snapchat person but that's that's one with the ghost, right Yeah. i'm okay. still learning this whole lingo i I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, i guess i'm not quick okay. enough i know i know Sh- showing my age here um, basically um I'm, i was always saying nothing ever is going away from internet even though the it vanishes at, shortly after they're sent another student took a screenshot and showed it to her mother who happened to be the actual coach oh right that was that was they be saying you know those choice words do. So then the school suspended her um, from junior varsity chilling for a year, saying that a punishment was needed to avoid chaos and maintain a team like environment. Okay. So she does not accept this, and her family does not accept this. So they sue the school district and they actually win a, um, a victory from a divided three panel, um, of, United, uh, panel of United States uh, Court of Appeals from the Third Circuit of Philadelphia. And the court said that the First Amendment did not allow public schools to punish students for speech outside of school grounds, right, relying on a precedent from a different era. So that's basically what they say. And then it keeps on – they basically mention another court case that we're going to talk about, Tinker versus Des Moines. I guess we yeah. should talk about this one first, then get to Tinker Des Moines. I don't know what you want to do with this. Pete. Really? Uh, you could, yeah, you, you take
0: right. it, you take it, you go, you're doing it right. Just here. go. You want
1: to just stick with this one, or you want, just go? You want stick to stick with this one? Go to Tinker. Go. Okay. Well, I, wait, I'm confused. Am I going to Tinker now? or Are we going to wait for Tinker? How what am I doing with the Tinker? <laughs> you could go to Tinker. Go to Tinker. All right. So let's. So get. All right. So get <laughs> a little branch off. Just to <laughs> so understand uh, how every court case right sets a precedent. Tinker versus uh, Des Moines Independent Community School District was a Supreme Court uh, case from the from 1969. This most recent one, the Levy versus Philadelphia, was actually from um, this year, or very recent. It was decided in 2020. Yeah, Tinker
0: is 69.
1: Yeah, Tinker is 69. So you think about what's going on in the country at this time, and it's basically a number of students wore black armbands to protest the Vietnam War, saying that the students, um, you know, they were protesting the war, and the school basically suspends them, right? And they, um, that they don't have their freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. Um, but disruptive speech, at least on school grounds, could be punished. Oh, they said they did have that right, as long as it wasn't disruptive speech. And that's basically what the Supreme Court said, I believe, right? Yeah. In, in regard to this, that they were allowed to wear it because it was not disrupting the school day. If it disrupts the school day, then that's a whole different story. And that, there's cases that we'll get to that basically um, deal with that.
0: Yeah, because the idea is that you have – a verbal and nonverbal uh, freedom of speech. So th- in this particular case when they wore these armbands, this, these black armbands to protest the war, that was they were exercising their nonverbal freedom of the speech. Their right to
1: silent protest, yeah.
0: Exactly. And the Supreme Court said that the students um, don't essentially shed their constitutional rights or freedom of speech or expression that when they enter the school. Like they still have them. As long as their freedom of speech does not disrupt the major premise of the school itself, meaning like why you're there in the first place. So, you're in school, obviously, to learn, right? And to be safe in a safe environment. So, as long as the freedom of speech doesn't interfere with the school's with mission, the school to dead, teach, because you can't
1: interfere. The big thing that we're going to see is so I'm sorry to repeat, but the yeah, big go. thing you're going to see a lot of this is that if it interfere, you cannot interfere with another student's education. That's what they're looking for. Yep. So if at any time it interferes with another student's education, that's when there's a problem. And that's why it was so interesting with this case. I remember hearing about this right when they said the Supreme Court was going to hear it with this um, Breyer case because she sent it. And they actually mentioned this in the, uh, the court briefs. She sent it to her own from her own personal cell phone to an audience consisting of her private circle of her Snapchat friends. And then someone else takes it and turns it in. So she was not broadcasting this to the entire school. She did it from a non-school location, and she did it from a um, on a Saturday. So school wasn't even going on. Now, if you change this and she does it in school right there and she's screaming at the coaches as the coaches there, that's a different offense. Yep. Right? But because the Supreme Court ruled that because she was out of school, she it was not directed at anyone um, directly – in the school, she's allowed for that free speech. They did not agree with the language. They did not agree with the tone. But they said that she does have the right to um, say these things. And the listener would hear her criticism of the team, the team's coach in the school. So in order to criticism of the rules for a community, they are allowed to do it. You are allowed to criticize someone else's choice. That you're allowed to do that. Yep. And you as can as long as with it does choice. not
0: interfere with work and disorder within a school at the time
1: it's happening. And after the school was arguing, the school was saying, "Well, no, this was going to disrupt the cheerleading squad going forward, having her on the team." But then you can argue her being suspended is causing that that's causing all this other uproar. You know, yeah, uproar with it. Yeah,
0: the Tinker de Moyes sixty uh, nine. Obviously, that case keeps on coming back over and over again in American history. In nineteen eighty six, there was the idea of a disruption test uh, with the Tinker case. The Supreme Court actually upheld the suspension of Matthew Fraser. I don't know if you read about this, a 17 year old senior um, in Tacoma, Washington. He gave a high school speech, a speech mm-hmm. at the end, grad- containing like sexual innuendos. He did it, it wasn't a graduation speech, it was like during some kind of event. Um, and obviously got in trouble for it. So the court said that, be, you know, it wasn't really what he was saying, but the fact that what he said at that time disrupted the function of public school education. Um, it was not okay for him to have the right to do that. So schools schools within a school day have the right to prohibit the use of vulgar and offensive terms in public discourse. Like they could tell you you cannot curse because they believe that that you know, could you, actually you do that, yeah. If
1: you're if you're standing up and you're cursing in class and screaming out, like, what are you going to happen? What's going to happen? You're going to get suspended. You know the, exactly. And we'll get to a case that kind of deals with that in a minute. So, I and sometimes
0: so, your students will be like, well, I have the freedom of speech. I can do what I say, and but you don't. say what I want. And no, it's the same thing when work. they
1: can't. Where like schools can implement certain dress codes. So you can't have certain language, certain things on your T-shirts, like alcohol yes. beverages and something like that. Because well, no, you're not allowed to have that. Well, why? I can freedom of speech. It's not the same thing. And what really sets a lot of this precedent, yes, Tinker versus Moid, but one that I like to talk about, I guess we can get into this one, is New Jersey versus TLO. I'm mm-hmm. sure you saw this one, right, Pete? Yep. Yep, yep. This one is really interesting because this one really, I remember this um, when at uh, problem at my school, I'd sometimes they would, um, when kids would, if they would c- pull up in like their own cars and stuff like that, mm-hmm. the, the principal sometimes would go, I wouldn't say they would search your cars, but look in the cars and stuff like that to see if the kids, you know, were doing anything crazy on their way to prom and stuff like that. Yeah. they was like, oh, they can't do that. Or You can't search my locker. You can't search my bag. In this case, it says, no, you can. You, they can do that. So, what yeah. basically happened, it was uh, in New Jersey, Piscataway, New Jersey, actually, in uh, 1985, a um, young girl, TLO, Terry was her actual name, she was caught smoking in the school bathroom. Now, sc- smoking back then was actually allowed in the bathrooms.
0: They used to have this sections in high schools, like a smoking yeah. section outside where you could Even stand Even when I was in teachers. high school, they had that. Even when and I like was in high school. Teachers and
1: students were they, sent
0: together to smoke.
1: It crazy. was still a smoking section and you were like, ah, you know, and that was, you know, in the 90s. So they still had it. Yeah, you know, that was um, next to the payphone, right? <laughs> was there a payphone? So i sure there was a payphone, yeah. Of course, idea,
0: every yeah. high school had a payphone. Now there's yeah. they're, they're, that doesn't exist. Like it's not a thing.
1: Well, basically the idea was you were not to smoke in a school, but you couldn't smoke in the bathroom. Right. So the teacher goes in there, sees these two girls in there, smells smoke. They're like, What are you doing? The one girl says nothing. And TL says nothing. The TL's friend says, Oh, we were smoking. Right. So then she kind of so she got sent to the principal's office and the principal asked to see her purse. And at first she says, um, No. And then the other person kind of admits that they were smoking and stuff. So then he does decide to look to her purse and then he just opens up the purse. And the first thing he sees is a pack of cigarettes. So he removes a pack of cigarettes and then he continues to search through her purse where he finds rolling papers, a small amount of marijuana. He finds um, a list of, he finds a whole bunch of one, $5 bills, a list of people that um, owe her money and a list of people, a bunch of notes basically, oh, she was selling in school, a list of a bunch of people saying, hey, you know, Terry, can you get me this? Can you get me that? So it was very obvious she she was dealing drugs. Uh, marijuana to school. And she had some marijuana on her. So so the police were called and she admitted to selling drugs at school after all this happened, right? Mm-hmm. The case went to f- trial. She was found guilty of possession of marijuana, placed on probation. She appeals her, her conviction um, claiming that the search violated her Fourth Amendment per, um, protection against unreasonable search and seizures, right? That he had no right to go through my purse because that's my personal item. I I, I said, no, he did it anyway. And she actually wins that in New Jersey court. New Jersey Supreme court rules in her favor. New Jersey then takes it all the way to the U um, S Supreme court and the U S Supreme court uh, rules that it's an interesting case. They basically rule that they use the precedent or the saying that if a parent reads their child's diary, they're not invading the, their, their privacy. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: they said the de facto, when the parent, when the students, excuse me, are in school, the teachers are actually the parents. The school system are the parents, and in a legal sense. That's yep. what they argue, right? And uh, as and it goes back to the other thing. If you're impacting the school day in some way, in this case, selling drugs and school, you can't do that. And the search was legal because even though smoking was allowed, it was not allowed in the bathroom. So that started. So how does it has to be? Um, it can't be arbitrary. They can't just say, hey, you, come here. Hey, Pete, come here. I'm yeah. going to pat you down. They can't do that. If someone goes to the principal office and says, hey, Pete has a knife on him, now they can go and search you, search your locker, search your car because your car is on school grounds. They can't go and search your house. That's, yeah. not, that's not it. But anything pertaining to the school, anything, school property, anything at that school is now considered fair game basically to be yeah, searched.
0: It's based on this idea of probable cause though. Like you yeah. have to prove has later to be on. Something.
1: It has to be something there. Yeah. You can't just yeah. do an arbitrary You can't just, you can't necessarily just uh, every kid in this classroom. I'm going to check. No, there has to be more to it than that.
0: Yep. Yeah. And uh, that an talking case. about like, like searches and seizures, right? I mean, think about the one that's a little more recent. You're looking at 2009 um, Safford United school district versus April reading. So Savannah reading eighth grader um, gets called down to the school nurse. This is in 2009 and a secretary at the middle school in Arizona asks this 13 year old to basically strip down her bra and underwear. Um, and she said that she was acting on the orders from the assistant principal who had gotten the tip from another student that um, this particular girl was hiding prescription strength, ibuprofen pills or something crazy. Right? So anyway, they had a zero tolerance drug policy in the school. So they strip searched this girl she said she was extremely humiliated, um, that she was basically strip-searched, and her and her mom sued the school. So in an 8-1 decision, the Supreme Court ruled that the school had violated reading's Absol- Fourth Amendment absolutely. rights.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. What would right? make you think that's – I mean I, there was a case with this world. too. What? With the uh, It's called the McDonald's case, very similar to this. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, where Not someone like that. called – they called like a McDonald's, and it was just this guy who did it. And he basically was telling this 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 guy, this manager, this uh, the girl up front. We think she's stealing. Bring her into the uh, room, and he made her strip search. He made her like perform um, certain acts on him and stuff like that. He didn't it all because the guy on the phone was telling him to do it. It went on for like over over an hour. Making this whole big – well, actually, that's a future podcast. Let's do that. That's a future podcast. That whole scam. <laughs> it was like prank calls, and the guy just got away with making this massive, crazy prank call. But similar, like what in your right mind would make you think it's okay to strip search a teenager in a school? Like why? Barely, what? Barely. Barely a teenager. What even make – well, no matter who, a well, kid just in general. anyone. This is,
0: this, this is the thing that's kind of crazy. School officials actually are, according to the court, are allowed. Yeah. To do strip searches, but they, they must consider the factors like the student's age, whether the drugs in questions are dangerous. It depends, on the, to it depends on the state justify, too, i sure. yeah, yeah, justify the search. Like, So I know for a fact that uh, New Jersey, California, and Iowa um, basically passed legislation that prohibits strip searches altogether of students under any circumstances. And Wisconsin went as far as to say that it's a criminal act. So it's not just prohibited, but like you could, get, you could go to jail for even attempting to strip search a student. But I mean, I, I think suppose. it just
1: opens the door for so many other. I mean, forget about just the moral complications of it. It just opens the door for so many things to be liable. Yeah, that that's why most school districts, I don't think, would do it. I don't think it would be the smartest thing to do. And common sense sometimes has to prevail in these situations. You know, if you really think the student has something on you, most districts are like, oh, we're just going to call the cops and let them handle it from here. You know,
2: the Battle of Waterloo was one of the most famous turning points in world history.
0: Yeah, but uh, did you just read the one about the Shaney versus Winnebago um, County Social Services? I did not see that one. All right, so this is – We're doing a whole bunch of – We're all over the place. We're all over I the know, place. I I that's all right. Yeah, we're back to our roots. The uh, <laughs> and Winnebago um, County Social – versus um, Winnebago County Social Services, 1989. Uh, it's because it kind of deals with like strip searches like you're talking about in school and like how that's like – how can you do that? That's insane. Well, this is an interesting issue. The, the issue itself is constitutional rights at home of students. Um, mm. So basically, the bottom line is that the constitution doesn't protect kids from their parents. So you had this four-year-old boy, uh, Joshua, lived in Wisconsin with his father. The father physically abused him, and at one point, okay. the state department. this case, yeah. Yeah, so the state department uh, of social services takes custody of this boy, Joshua, um, but then after a few days, they return him back to the father, and then. The father beats him again. The boy is hospitalized with bruises all over his body and like severe brain damage, right? He survives, but he's permanently paralyzed and mentally disabled, which is so sad and crazy. I can't even think about it. The father is convicted of child abuse, sent to prison. Well, the mom sues the state and Department of Social Services for returning this boy to his father, knowing that this father was hitting this boy in the first place. Um, She argued that the... Department had the du- had a duty to protect her son under the Fourteenth Amendment, uh, which forbids the state from depriving any person of life, liberty, and property without due process of law. Well, anyway, the court rules six to three against Joshua's mother. Um, it said essentially that the Constitution does not protect children from their parents. Therefore, the government was not at fault in Joshua's abuse. I'm like, I, I thought that was a little odd. Um, the Supreme Court has. Right, the impact is said that the Supreme Court has consistently respected parents' rights to discipline discipline their children. So it's almost like if you hit your child, that's like, well, the court is going to try to err on the side of, like, well, we're going to give you the benefit of doubt that that's you disciplining your children. Um, but I think that's though, also,
1: yeah. I mean, they have that. They're going I, to, uh, I think it's also going to be, that's going to be by state, I think. That's, that's, that's what I was getting to. Be, yep. that's also so the government be isn't by... required.
0: Because the Constitution is federal, we have to keep reminding that yeah. um, the people right. The Constitution is federal, so the government isn't required by the Constitution to protect children, but the states assume this responsibility through child protection laws. So the only it's like even though this went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled like against the mother, that's because the Supreme Court basically said like the federal government's job is not right to protect kids from their parents. However, there are state laws put in place to do that. That are put in yeah. place to do that. And, that.
1: and it obviously failed that boy because yeah, as soon as there's bruising oh, – like What was, year was this again? This was in 89. It. I mean, yeah, I, I was also, I mean 89, I know it's not that long ago, but if you really look at court per cases probably in the 90s, definitely in the 2000s, if, if you're leaving bruises on kids, forget about it. Oh, please. Like nice. there's no way, especially if you have prosecutors that are going to go after that. That's just something that's not going to be yeah. tolerated. In the 80s, tail in the 80s, I could see that still kind of being – allowed to a certain degree i get i, I not saying not saying i agree with it i'm just to say i can see how they like, kind of like all right that's like the, that's an inside matter that's a family matter but the fact that the kids hospitalized that right there should just change everything it's ridiculous yep. four-year-old well, there's I mean, no reason since, to hit a four-year-old
0: absolutely and i think since we're there we, we might as well talk about um ingram versus right that's what i want to get to
1: even right and this kind of sets it with schools right yeah so james ingram right 14 year old was being a little rowdy in his junior high school in Miami, and he was taken to the principal's office. And uh, I guess the punishment was basically he was supposed to be given five swats with a paddle, and he said, no. He's like, I'm not going to let you hit me. And so because he, had, he said, I didn't do anything wrong. So he was actually held down by other individuals, and the principal gave him 20 swats. Yep. And it was pretty – now, corporate punishment was permitted in the school district, but he had such severe bruising that it kept him out of school for 10 days. And he had to actually seek medical attention for his bruising, so it yeah. wasn't like he just got you know a little bit. And you know, this is basically corporal punishment in schools. So they sued the uh, principal and the other and, school officials and, and, for criminal punishment. And Supreme Court said no; they actually ruled against James. Yep. They said that reasonable, reasonable physical discipline at school does not violate the Constitution, the Eighth Amendment. They basically said was designated to protect convicted criminals from excessive punishment in the hands of the government not school children who misbehave they did however they did direct teachers and principals to be cautious when use restraint when directing whether to administer corporal punishment or not because although the federal government's not coming after you again a state might do something again you could still you might not be able to sue the um not the school district but you can you could sue the individuals yeah so in a civil case this is totally different right so
0: when i Um, read this I thought it was insane that you could actually use corporal punishment in schools. I, I think that was crazy. Well oh, you tell, I me,
1: mean, I'm sure my father, I'm sure your daddy's telling you stories about oh, going yeah, up yeah, like yeah, down with yeah, yeah. the Catholic school. The nuns would, would would beat you and then they would call home saying they had to beat you, then your parents would, you know, give you a couple of whacks beat too you because again. why yeah. the nun why did the nun have to hit you?
0: So I actually looked this up What I was I was researching this, and I'm in front of me right now on my screen I have a map of states that allow – Corporal punishment and states which now banned corporal punishment.
1: 22 states uh, per minute, right, I believe?
0: Yeah. And, you know, if you look at the map, like I'm looking at the color map, essentially the South
1: allows it. The North and the West does not. I know Texas actually allows a teacher to have a loaded handgun in class that's
0: intense i I, so. I would I, mm. imagine that
1: though i always i always talked about my students sometimes like imagine like the teacher gets all fired up and you're, you're talking too much but a teacher and your teacher's like you know Pulls quiet down and the teacher well i guess he's not going to pull it out but i guess it didn't maybe they could but he, your teacher you know you want to be quiet your teacher does have a loaded gun right next to him
0: i mean i get a Crazy. paper cutting like, class I, I, and i, I think. couldn't
1: even think about that I can't. Well, you, you fell down and hurt yourself real bad right didn't you like fall off a chair or something
2: yeah
0: a few <laughs> times yeah <laughs> I was in the middle of lecturing once, and I like kind of I wanted to like put my like scoop my leg under me, so I like shifted over, and I fell off a desk in front of my whole class.
1: <laughs> so yeah, this England verse, right, 1977. Basically, teachers can use corporal punishment. Now, again, a lot of states have outlawed it, um, but it depends on the state, and you really need to know if your state allows corporal punishment or not. Again, most of the northeast states. And coastal states probably It's don't really. Allow it's almost like it's Mason the Mason Dixon line. Like if you look yeah, at the it's...
0: map, it looks like a Mason Dixon line. Like if, although Virginia, Virginia does not allow it, but North Carolina and everything below does. And if you go out west, you have Kentucky and Indiana allow it. Tennessee, I mean, most of them, most of the South allows it. Again, intense. I I can't. Well, don't 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 be uh, don't do anything silly in those
1: schools. Just yeah. It's, uh... So, uh, I get
0: since we're you know, um, I, I mean, I kind of we're, we're all over the place, but Board of Education versus Earls 2002. Do you have that one?
1: Drug I'll testing, with that one. You, you, yeah. The drug testing one that was interesting, you lead with that yeah. one, Brad.
0: So, the drug testing, um, basically, guess what? Schools can drug test you at any point, yeah. and I, every time students get called down, they're like, you're right, like, this was really uh. You know, random, uh, but but it sometimes is, and actually, it, and it is, is allowed to be. Yeah, it's allowed yeah. to be, and it but doesn't have it to be it.
1: just drug. It can stupid. also be for steroids. It's any type of drug. That's a big yep. thing too. It's yep, a yep. steroids um, issue a lot. Uh, and but sense.
0: but basically, what happened here is uh, because I have the same thing. I have students that are you know you would never in any way, shape, or form even consider this person to do drugs, and they get called down for drug tests, and it's like, wait, really? And but I think that also adds to the fact that it is random. Uh, Board of Education versus Earls, 2002. Essentially, you have this girl named Lindsay Earls, was a model high school junior, right? A member of National Honor Society, school choir, marching band, you name it. Uh, She's in Oklahoma. And she was participating in extracurricular activities that, and because of that, um, marching band in this case, she actually had to get tested for illegal drugs. That's part of the deal when you participate in after school activities. Anyway, she was reluctant to agree to the drug test, but then um, she wanted to participate in in her club, so she did go and do the drug test. She tested negative, all was well. But then afterwards, she decided that she was going to sue the school district because she felt that she she shouldn't have had to do that. Um, And she argued that the drug testing policy violated the rights under the Fourth Amendment, which safeguards against unreasonable searches and seizures, right? Also, she uh, rolled in the 14th Amendment and said
1: that um, it went against guaranteeing all citizens equal protection under the law. And the school basically says, no, it didn't. Because they yep. say when you voluntarily participate in school athletics or school events like that, you have a reason to expect intrusions upon your normal rights and privileges, including yep. your privacy, right? So yep. joining a team like that requires getting a physical exam, right? taking insurance coverage, maintaining a minimum grade point average. These are rules set, right, by the, by the state, by the, yep. by the school. And they have to um, basically agree to that, that the that students in um, have fewer privacy rights, basically, when they do these things. It's this thing when I used to teach my students, it's individual rights versus public safety. And that's, it's always this balance. Yes, you might have, as we have higher individual rights, public safety might go down. And as public, as uh, public safety goes up, your individual rights might go away a little bit, because it's kind of that push and get that Push and pull, whatever you want to call it. So that that's basically what they're what they're saying in this case that they have to keep the school has to keep the campus safe and keep the student athletes, or in this case, you know the um, the band the band athletes, the band players safe away yeah. from drugs, away from steroids, whatever that may be. So they they you are forfeiting some of your privacy in order to keep the program, the entity of of the after school programs, is safe. That's basically the argument.
0: Yep, and so. Just to add to it, the Supreme Court basically rules 5-4 to four in favor of the school district, obviously. And they also add that um, take, taking urine samples for illegal drugs
1: is, is such a minimally invasive... Saying, if it was blood, that would have been a different case from my Exactly.
0: Because it's so minimally invasive, they said it's a reasonable means of furthering the school district's important interest yeah. in preventing and deterring drug use among school children. So they said it's game, no pun intended. Um, you know, if you do sports, you can... Uh, you. Because you, you're agreeing, even if you don't do, you want to do. anything, anything, anything,
1: it's any sort of um, anything at the school, basically, yep. uh, anything that you do that you they can be tested for. Yep. and suspicion changes all that. Obviously, they can obviously do it. With this yep, one's yep, of suspicion. Yep. All right, you got what else you got? Um, another one that I think is important for all. Um, this doesn't necessarily deal with schools, but deals with all teenagers, right? Is the uh, Kent versus United States, right, 1966? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you saw this one. And this is basically the court case, which um, the bottom line is that teens can be tried as adults, that, yes. that can be wavered. And basically, this uh, individual by the name of Morris Kent um, was not exactly a—he um, he was not a good person, right? No, by any means. I mean, probation since he was 14 for burglary, for theft, arrested, know, but it was like with...
0: rape. Uh, oh yeah, yeah,
1: was... from robberies, home invasions, rape. Yeah. Um, so he was—he was not, you know, had an extensive criminal history, and um, the lawyer wanted him to stay in juvenile court. Um, and he planned to argue he had a mental illness, should be taken into an in account. Um, and basically the judge um, was actually sided with the prosecutor um, and sent him to an adult court. And he was found yep. guilty and sentenced to uh, 30 Nine to years. 90 years in prison. Yep. Yeah. He appealed saying he should remain in juvenile court saying, I'm 16. This can't happen. And the Supreme Court actually said that a minor can be tried and punished as an adult, but certain things have to be, have to be put in play here, right? It was the idea of... Um, they must weigh a variety of factors like the seriousness of the crimes, which you had a whole bunch, the, their extensive background, their mental state, and the age. You're probably not going to trial a six-year-old necessarily as that. But a 16-year-old, it can actually do. And I really uh, – many states, those under 18 can be charged for adults for crimes like as murder, sexual assault, or possession or sale of drugs. And you can actually get life in prison. Imagine getting life in prison at 16, like, 15 yeah. years old, but just which has little, happened. It has happened. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, and and the point of this case is to really prove the, the Supreme Court is starting to write that if you do something really, really terrible, specifically it says with seriousness of the crime, like if it's yeah, something your like not protecting
1: you, it's not yeah, it's not a not jail jail free card, it's not oh, right. I'm only gonna I'll spend two years in juvie and get out. They're like no, that's yep. not what's that's not what's going to happen. Yeah, and that kind of this goes all the way back to 1966.
0: Yep. Um, another one that deals with schools, the Santa Fe Independent School District versus Jane um, Doe. Um, the religious one, yeah. activity aspect. So it was a Texas school district that allowed a chaplain establishment yeah. clause. Yeah. So there was this. It was like a student basically that was selected as a chaplain, um, and he would lead a prayer over the public address system before each home football game, and this was allowed by it. It was actually endorsed by the school, and some parents are like, "Wait, we can't pray before you know through the speakers essentially before every football game." Um, they said that. You know, that was going against the First Amendment, which states that Congress shall make no law respecting and establishing religion or prohibiting free exercise thereof. Anyway, the Supreme Court it goes to the Supreme Court. After some parents sue the school and basically the Supreme Court says, what well, we know what they're going to say they said that uh, parents are right, that the school district's policy regarding prayer is unconstitutional, uh, even though it's led by students. The prayer was still school sponsored activity. So. It was the idea that because it placed students in a position of having to participate in a religious ceremony if they wanted to participate in school function, in this case a game, that was what made it unconstitutional. So the schools could have students pray before each game if they want to. Like if they want to be in a locker room and they choose to
1: pray before yeah, a game. It cannot be school sanctioned because it was put over the PA system and the school knew about it. It was more it was more of a lot. This goes back to like Ingle versus Vital, right, which is an, yep. our major court case. That um, school sponsors of religious activities violates the Establishment Clause. I mean, you just you cannot do that. You can't have, you can have a club where they meet, right? But you cannot. It can't. But be, actually,
0: the club has to be before or after school hours. Before so or after, after school Bible. can't be
1: during school hours. Exactly.
0: Yeah. If you have a Bible club, the Bible club cannot meet during lunch. Like, let's say you have like Key Club, and they have like a quick uh, lunch meeting that's allowed. But if you have a Bible club, it has to be the meeting has to take place before the official start of a school day or after the school day ends. But, yeah. um, but that's allowed. I mean, schools have Bible clubs.
1: And they can ask for moments of silence, yes. but not moments of silent prayer. And not also
0: every school has to supply, or not supply, that's a wrong term, but allow a place for each student to quietly worship. To practice religion. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're like, Hey, you know what? I want to pray at 11 o'clock today. The school has to give you a, a quiet place by law where you can play at uh, play well pray not play um okay so i'm trying to figure out what else we kind of didn't really cover it's
1: important. i mean these is these are what these cases are basically dealing with but like they're all dealing with again the individual rights right individual rights in the civil liberties and how they work and how they work a lot of these cases with juveniles with teens and with um in particularly in schools which is tricky because remember the main point of a school yeah, it's to keep, to educate people, but it's also to keep you safe, and that's where this comes in play. That whole idea of public safety versus individual rights—it goes full circle. They have to keep you safe, and a lot of times, keeping you safe, keeping these students safe, certain individual liberties could be could be—I don't want to say fully taken away, but are kind of limited a bit more. You know?
0: Yeah. I think one that deals with teenagers, not necessarily school at all, but I think teenagers might find this one interesting, is Brown versus Entertainment Merchants Association, 2011. So the Supreme Court heard this case in 2011, and the issue was essentially video games and minors. Uh, And ultimately, what happened is violent video games are protected as a form Mm -hmm. of expression and
1: speech, very much like books are. Like books or anything Remember, like um, the record or songs, that was always a big thing. Yeah. Because the premise
0: is like, think of like the old books, like back in the fifties, like, Oh, this is forbidden. And I, you know, even going back to forties in Hitler times, Germany, like forbidden books. Um, or well, comic books, to... remember
1: that one that podcast oh, yeah. did about the comic books. Yep. With the um, with commission
0: board. So basically what the Supreme court said is that even though there's a lot of violent video games, um, and they've become obviously increasingly interactive, realistic. And their idea was that they could lead minors to commit real life acts of aggression. Um, And the games are psychologically damaging to them. Anyway, in a 7-2 decision, the court ruled against um, the California, which passed this law that basically prohibited sale of violent video games to Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, or just selling violent video games, period. Anyway, what it said is that video games don't belong in a category of obscene, um, like pornography, for example. So they don't need to be censored. And very much like protected books, plays, and movies that preceded them, which is kind of the idea of like there was movies, like you said, comic books, whatever. Video games essentially communicate ideas, even social messages. So that is a form of expression and freedom of speech. And children can buy them. So what happens now is it's really suggested. It's like suggested for teens. I mean, some states have state laws that enforce it, but federal government cannot. Yeah, there disallowed. are some that you can't
1: buy without parents' permission if you're yep. not a certain age and stuff like that. But just the federal government cannot disallow the sale yeah. of the federal government's yeah. not going to pass a law about it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Can't disallow sale of of you know violent video games.
1: So there you go. You can't. So you can buy your video games depending on the state. But watch out. What's the big violent video game? Was it Grand Theft Auto? I'm sure that's still
0: yeah. around. Right? I guess that's still around. I mean, we used to play that long time ago. Oh, I'm like yeah. well, I'm like all into Red Dead Redemption Two right now. That's like how I started my summer. It's like I've been chilling for the past week. That's my jam. Um, there you go. There you go. See, see. Um, I, I, mean, playing, there's a couple I other Mario ones. World. <laughs> nice. Um, there's a couple other ones. I mean, some are more known than others. I mean, there's Hazelwood School District versus Coolmire, Kuhlma- I think in 1988 um issue was well, we trained, talked about
1: before we talked about the um oh go ahead go ahead i'm sorry no
0: mine was like a student journalism first amendment schools can censor yeah. student newspapers that's basically what it's allowed. so if you think oh, i have freedom of speech i could write about whatever i want in the school newspaper wrong the school yeah, has the well, right she, to they were criticizing
1: uh, if i remember correctly they were criticizing the school right or the principals they were yeah yeah and they said you can't you can't do that that's not something that you don't have the free speech in school for a school run paper one?
0: Yeah, Yeah, but even like if if you talk about something like a risque or, I don't know, something about teen pregnancy or anything else, really a school has full right to censor anything that is published through a school newspaper. Um, This is school sanctioned. Exactly. And it's not offending the First Amendment or anything like that. It basically says that the school has the right to edit whatever is consistent with the um, school sponsor expressive activity.
1: Now, the student wanted to just say this herself, right? Going back to that case we talked about earlier, the first one we talked about, uh, Brian Pennsylvania. She'd be allowed to. They'd be allowed to. It just can't be in a school, on school sanctioned event. She can put it on Snapchat. That's what they said. You want to go criticize your principal? All right. I guess I can do it on Snapchat as long as it's not out of school event, out of school time, you know, that sort of thing.
0: I wonder how that...
1: Still would to
0: like. I wonder how that works in like... The real world. Like what if I criticize – like let's say you are my direct supervisor and I criticize you on Snapchat. What happens then? That's interesting. I think
1: that's different because it's the, the laws are very different for – it probably are, could be – you could argue that it's it nation, right? True, true. And then I, could, I mean there would definitely be a hearing. There would have to be some sort of panel hearing and see what they decide, evidence. I think it's – to make blanket statements is very difficult. Right? i uh, yeah. touching anything. yeah, it's to really look at the, at the the merits of the case, of the situation. Makes sense. Makes sense. But uh, it would be, yeah, it wouldn't be something I would recommend, obviously. <laughs> and we're not recommending or testing any of these things out. Please don't think that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Okay? We're not recommending, you know, to, uh, some teachers, yeah, I'm going to try corporal punishment. Or I'm not gonna, We're not recommending, you know, students to do certain things and stuff like that. Because you know, this is just to give you an idea of the rights and privileges that exist out there. Exactly. And um, the court cases that set that precedent, made those decisions. Supreme court. Again, that's key here. Yes. Again. Yeah. Not just, yeah. Supreme court. That's it. The rule of the land, law of the land.
0: I mean, if you really think about it for the longest time, um, as far as the Supreme court was concerned, basically, you know, you were like a property of your parents, like as teenagers, as students, like you're, you're not, you don't exist until they started to actually listen to some of these cases That first case was 67, right? Um, The Gault or something, Um, in reference to it's by the 15 year old Arizona boy. And basically, that ruled that teenagers have distinct rights under the U.S. Constitution, that it's not just um, adults. Prior to that, the laws generally regarded children as like property of their parents. And then, really, 69 with Tinker versus Des Moise. that's when you have the Supreme Court really kind of listening. Yeah, T- to T- Tinker versus
1: Des Moines is a major case. And obviously, I would say uh, TLO versus New Jersey, obviously yep. a major case dealing yep. with the uh, free speech and then dealing with unlawful search and um, search and seizures. Those are the main ones.
0: Yep. So this concludes our 49th episode. 49, nine. Tommy,
1: 49. 49. doesn't seem like it's one over 45. <laughs>
0: um no, no, no. anyway we have no idea what we're doing next week yet which is kind of usually how we roll anyway but next week is our 50th episode so we should do something at uh, something that's worthy of a 50th episode i don't know i got nothing so if anybody out there has any suggestions about what we should do our 50th episode on please feel free to contact us you could find us at historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com um you could also email us at any point from that website so you know, find us on Facebook. Just give us some ideas because I, I mean, Facebook, I, or,
1: Twitter, yeah. Yeah,
0: I have no idea um, what we should talk about next week. I will think of something. We're, you know, we're home. O- now. Always we're do.
1: Always do. Yeah. Always do. Always do.
0: Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate it as always. And I guess till next week, enjoy,
1: everyone. Stay safe, everybody.
0: I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast. And if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com.
2: Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title.